I love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, get up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost on the Gambit DC app, online, or at any Gambit DC retail location throughout the district. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the whole field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please buy responsibly. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days guaranteed with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed. And right now you can get started for just one dollar text the word grade to 32 32 32 right now hooked on phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day for more than 30 years hooked on phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use text grade to 32 32 32 and teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed text grade to 32 32 32 right now and get started for just one dollar text grade to 32 32 32 now text grade to 32 32 32 Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. Alongside Anthony Brown, I am Garrett Bouguet. This week we've got more NBA What If discussion. If you missed our episode last week, we uh, we had our NBA What Ifs Part 1. Uh, please check that out, uh, and without further ado, enjoy this episode. Here's another interesting one uh, in terms of the free agent decisions. is What if Kevin Durant, mm. instead of going to the Warriors comes back to the Thunder and gives it another go, thinking, oh, we've gotten so close. Uh, I've still got Russ. I've still got Steven Adams. I've still got this real athletic defensive team. Uh, I hopefully am going to get a little better myself, and I want to give it another crack to to beat the Warriors. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it was a seven-game series that year that OKC loses to, uh, to the Warriors, and I believe OKC was up 3-1 to that Warriors yes, team. Yes, and blew the Warriors out in games 3 and 4 in OKC. Just ran them off the floor. Yeah. Yeah, I honestly, I was surprised to see Kevin leave. Uh, you know, you hear all these stories about Kevin, especially early in his career, comparisons to, like, Kobe Bryant in terms of competitiveness and, you know, how much work he puts in. Uh, during practice and everything, and he just wants to win at everything. And to make that type of move where, like, wait, you blow a 3-1 lead, and then you're going to join that team to, what? You were that close to win it, yeah. you know? And there's probably stuff behind the scenes of him not wanting to play with Westbrook or whatever, but, uh, yeah, I totally thought OKC was going to be a contender for a while. Uh, and I thought we were going to see more of that matchup between LeBron in the finals and, you know, Kevin Durant leading his team to play. Like uh, in that, what, 2000, what what year was that that uh, OKC made it to the finals? 2012. Or 2012. Yeah, I just assumed that was going to happen more and more. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, if, okay, if Durant stays on OKC, I see them still contending. Mm-hmm. and possibly beating a Golden State team and going into the finals. As great as that, as Steph Curry and the Warriors were, um, I don't know. What do you think, though? 
Well, it's interesting to think about the MVP ramifications of these sorts of decisions. Okay. Well, and the uh, going back to the LeBron thing, if he stays in Cleveland, maybe he's got an extra MVP or two because Ooh. of the overall burden that he would have to have with the Cavs, where he was able to take a step back with the likes of Wade and Bosh and not do as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, you look at Russell Westbrook winning the MVP last year. If Durant is still on the team. That's that doesn't happen. happen. The yeah. triple-double average I don't think happens. No. Uh, but certainly having Westbrook in arguably his best season also benefits Durant quite a bit. Right. Another season to build chemistry and another season of Steven Adams developing. He's still a young guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right that uh, they would have been able to challenge the Warriors again, and, and that was such an incredible series. Uh, and. Uh, it's it's interesting to think too, you know, Steph Curry was hurt a little bit, which is another one we'll get right. to here Ooh, shortly. Yeah. But good point. Uh, you know, the following year, maybe the the difference between Curry maybe being a little bit better is overcome by the fact that the Thunder might have been a little bit better just from internal development. Right. Uh, but certainly, it would have made uh, the the conference finals in the West last year a lot more interesting than it ended up being where the Warriors swept the Spurs because in large part uh, Kawhi hurt his ankle right and that would have been really cool to watch so here's a a draft what if mm, okay what if the Detroit Pistons prior to their NBA championship season of 04 with oh, a core wow. of <laughs> Chauncey Billups, Ben Wallace, Tayshawn Prince, Rip Hamilton, Rip Hamilton, yeah, drafts Carmelo Anthony. Oh my gosh! The other interesting aspect of that is if they draft Melo, do they then trade for Rasheed Wallace? Hmm. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that with Wallace. Um, they still have Ben Wallace at this point, right? Yes. Because um, they got Rashid at the deadline of the year they won the title. Yeah. How would that have affected it? Uh, um, you know, a mellow Tayshawn Prince playing the 3-4. Right. And that's adding a lot of offense on one of the best defensive teams, you know, that I'd seen. So the question mark as to whether they end up then getting Rashid Wallace is pretty important because... You know, their defense was in large part predicated on the, the two Wallaces being really good at the rim and, right. um, you know, being athletic. And Carmelo, despite how good he is, he's, you know, defense yeah. has never really been his strong suit. Right. Uh, but then, you know, what if Detroit's still able to pull off the, the you know, they would still have all of the same assets they, they had to acquire Rasheed Wallace. They could have still gotten him and had a mellow as even they could have even brought Mello off the bench as a scoring punch, right? Uh, and you know how that would affect that team. That's really interesting. I mean, I think it could have only helped them compared to Durko Milicic. Right, Durko ended up doing nothing pretty much. Right. So yeah, I think that would have increased their stock. And but there's also the chemistry issues and all those sorts of things that bringing in a guy like Mello. Um, right. You know, it doesn't necessarily always work out when you bring in a certain type of personality into a locker room. And that, you know, that was one of the things about that Pistons team that I think made them special was despite not having the top-end talent, all the talent fit really well and they all got along. 
Very true. Yeah, I mean, Mello would have... Who knows, maybe they would have... Mello would have caught the uh, defense bug and he would have become a, a really good defender. And <laughs> that's a, Yeah, that's another interesting point, too, is maybe just being in that system around those guys, you just have to commit to that and he becomes a completely different player. Yeah, it, man, that would be cool because Mello's great on offense. I love him in terms of, like, an isolation player mm-hmm. and, you know, pull-up jump shooter and stuff. But, like, if he added some defense, I think that would really increase my his stock in my mind. Yeah. Well, and that Pistons team not only won the title in 04, made the finals in 05, won 64 games in 06, made the conference finals in that year but lost, but then in 07 and 08 as well. Mm. So they had a great five-year stretch to start what would be to start Mello's career. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, if if the chemistry does work out and he is able to uh, you know, actually enhance that team as opposed to hurt it. You're talking about a team that probably could have won more than just the one title, and even maybe uh, had a, a little bit even longer run into the into the uh, into this decade. Yeah, that is wow. That's a huge what if. Like, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's that's one of the you know, it's so crazy to think about all the teams that have had opportunities to be. NBA championship contender yet still have a lottery pick essentially or in like a top five at that but unfortunately for Detroit it didn't end up working out right. for them at all with Milicic but what are your thoughts on this one uh you know the Dallas Mavericks had the combination of Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki for a couple <laughs> of years chose to not pay what it costs to keep Steve Nash he goes to Phoenix wins back-to-back MVPs and Dirk ends up still having a great career, gets to the finals in 06, you know, wins the championship in 2011, uh, but it certainly would have been really interesting and to see how a Nash-Dirk uh, combo would have worked over the, the entire decade of the 2000s. Yeah, I never understood that practice. Uh, like, if you've got top-level talent and they work well together, just keep them. Well, the age, I think, was one of the big question marks with Nash. He was older heading into that contract. He was either in his late 20s or even into his early 30s at that point. Sure. But he had such a great career during his 30s that maybe not a lot of people expected him to even get better at that age. Right. And, yeah, you never know, right? So it's always a gamble either way. But, like, yeah, Steve Nash is is a great player, one of the best point guards that we've seen. Like, in my mind... Uh, just just keep it. Just keep it going. Try and see if you can get someone else underneath to kind of, you know, a backup that can, you know, take that role from them when they, you know, get too old to, to do that. But, man, I, just the idea of Nash and Nowitzki going for that many years could have even had a better career for Dirk. And that was, yeah. it's still a really good career. But the other question, though, with, with you, when you're talking about guys like Dirk and Nash, obviously... The offense would be exceptional. Sure. But can a foundation of Nash and Dirk playing heavy minutes be good enough defensively mm. to win championships? Because sure. most championship teams are generally teams that I would say fit in the top 10 of both offense and defense. And I don't know if you can, <laughs> dis- even if you have three all NBA defenders around those two guys, I don't know if those two guys are playing 35 to 40 minutes. 
if you can have even an above-average defense. Yeah, those those definitely are some weak spots out there. Uh, and pace-wise, too, I mean, did Nash benefit from, you know, being with the seven seconds or less, you know, a more up-tempo pace with D'Antoni uh, oh, as opposed yeah, to certainly. being more slow-down post-up with Nowitzki? Mm-hmm. So, so maybe it did work out better for both of them. I don't know. Yeah, and mm-hmm. at least with, you know... Or at least with, with Nash. With Dirk... He, uh, he ended up playing with Jason Kidd when they won the title, and he was more of a, a bigger you know, guy that could play some defense at that position. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it's, um, it's certainly, I, I wish it would have happened that way, not necessarily because I think they would have had more success championship-wise, but it just would have been so much fun to watch right. Nash and Dirk run pick-and-roll after pick-and-roll for a decade. It would have right. been phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Another one in the mid two thousands that I think is uh, is very fascinating is the whole Ron Artest jumping into the stands, the whole melee mm-hmm. in Detroit, where the Pistons lost Artest for the season due to a suspension because he went into the stands and tried right. to punch a fan, a fan unsuccessfully for, right. <laughs> for several minutes. Right, uh, Stephen Jackson went into the stands and was suspended for at least half the season, if not more. Wow. Uh, a guy like Jermaine O'Neal, I think, was suspended for a, a much smaller amount of games. But that was an Indiana team that had Ron Artest in his prime, you know, one of the best defenders, if not the best defender in the game at that point in time. Right. Uh, you had a Steven Jackson... Uh, a three-point gunner, really good player that came off a championship of San Antonio in 2003. Jermaine O'Neal, all-star big man. Reggie Miller, uh, right. still a guy that, uh, you know, despite not maybe having quite as much energy, was still in really good shape, could still be a great spot-up shooter, could still run off screens fairly well for a guy in his late 30s. Right. Uh, and they were just really solid defensively. Uh, that team was really the favorite in my eyes to win the championship that year. That wow. was the year San Antonio ended up beating Detroit in mm. seven games in the finals. But wow. Uh, wow. that uh, that Pistons team, or excuse me, that Pacers team was uh, to me the the best team in the league, and and was probably going to win the title if it wasn't for that uh, melee mm-hmm. in Detroit. And that's really interesting because then Miller goes from, you know, one of the the conversations of, you know, best guys to never win a title to, well, he actually won one. Right. Know? So that, wow, that's awesome. And it's one of those just, you know, that's, it's one thing uh, to, to say, oh, you know, what if this guy was just better or what if this guy didn't have, you know, 15 injuries? Like those are right. kind of more crazy what ifs, but saying... What if a guy didn't jump into the stands and fight a spectator is is just one of the craziest things to happen. It feels a lot more fluky, which right. is what's more fun about these what-ifs discussions is when, like, oh, it's a legitimate possibility that it could have, hap- it could have gone right. another way. Someone would have just held him back from trying to beat up. Every time we say it, it sounds more and more ridiculous. But, yeah, it actually happened. Ron Artest, now Meta World Peace. Uh, which is the most ridiculous name, uh, tried to beat up a fan and got suspended for the rest of the year. Um, yeah, I think it, it would have changed. That would be interesting. Indiana Pacers, NBA champions. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The uh, 
Another one of the interesting things, like the Nash-Novitsky combination that I thought would have been cool if it played out for a longer period of time, was the whole Tracy McGrady-Vince Carter combination. Mm. Uh, you know, Vince Carter was smack dab in his prime in the late 90s, early 2000s. Tracy McGrady was just coming into his own, ended up having his best seasons like in that 2002 to 2004 stretch with Orlando. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Tracy McGrady stays in Toronto, which he talks about as one of his biggest regrets, he wish he would have stayed. Hmm. Uh, you know how fascinating and fun to watch. You know, Gosh. regardless of whether it would have led to championships <laughs> or anything close to that, just seeing those two guys both in their prime would have been fascinating and, and really fun to 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 experience. <laughs> the highlight reels would have been so amazing. Like yes. I think of uh, possibly reminiscent of. Dwayne Wade and LeBron James in terms of like the crazy alley-oops that they're throwing to each other and just uh, insane. I mean, Vince Carter might be the best dunker I've ever seen mm-hmm. in terms of the in-game dunks. Dunked over a seven-footer in the Olympics one time. Yes. Like literally jumped over him, his entire body over his head and dunked it. Uh, and Tracy McGrady, oh my gosh, during that, that stretch for Orlando was was crazy good. I'm not sure it would have led to the Raptors winning a title, like you said, but, man, that would be really cool. Yeah. the uh, There's a couple of Chris Webber ones that are interesting. We already dove into the topic of the 2002 Western Conference Finals and how that would have impacted his legacy. Yeah. But in terms of just when he first came into the league, there was the, the idea that Orlando drafted him and then traded his draft rights hmm. for the rights of Penny Hardaway. And also oh. multiple future draft picks. I think it ended up being three future number one draft picks. Wow. Uh, so, well, not number one overall, but first round picks. Mm. Uh, so it, I thought it was a solid trade, especially if Penny Hardaway would have stayed healthy. It would have been great. Right. Uh, but the idea of a Shaq-Chris Webber foundation is also really fascinating wow. as well. What do you think of that? Yeah, that would be really... Because, I mean... Uh, Wow, because it was Shaq and Horace Grant that was really tough. You had Horace Grant as a, a another you know power forward, but he could you know shoot from mid range and everything. He could spread the floor a little bit so that you know Shaq could go inside. Chris Webber would be even better than that and mm-hmm. a better passer. Um, man, that would the be... high lows in that with that team with Webber at the <sighs> elbow and Shaq under the basket. That would be amazing to watch. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Well, but you you make a good point, though, that Horace Grant was kind of a poor man's version of Chris Webber. And perhaps, you know, if you're talking about allocating your resources in the, in the right areas, mm. maybe it's easier to find a 75% of what Webber provides then. than it is of what Ann Fernie Benny Hardaway <laughs> provided. Very true. Uh, so, you know... If it weren't for the injuries, I feel like the Magic made the right move there. But but obviously seeing maybe the best power forward of the 90s with the best, well, I guess I I should say late 90s because if you're talking about the entirety of the 90s, Carl Malone. But, right. uh, <laughs> but um, you know, one of the best power forwards of the 90s and early 2000s with the most dominant center of that era as well uh, would have been fascinating. It really would. Uh, another interesting uh, Chris Webber what if is, you know, he was ended up he ended up being traded to Golden State, uh, and the the interesting thing about the rookie contract at the time we talked about earlier how now it's a you're 
you sign a rookie, they're under contract for four years. Back then, it was a strange rule. It was only a single season. Hmm. So you had the guy for one year, and then you had to figure out a way to retain him. Um, but Weber didn't want to stick around in Golden State with Don Nelson uh, for some reason, even though Don Nelson, a really innovative guy, mm-hmm. he was a guy that you could see playing Chris Weber at the five and really utilizing him yeah. in a small ball sense, uh, you know, probably 20 years before that became in fashion. <laughs> Uh, but like to think about the kind of numbers Chris Weber could have put up in a Don Nelson offense, right, uh, is pretty crazy to think about. Wow. Yeah, you're right. I didn't actually know that he was there that long. Okay. Well, he ended up going <laughs> yeah. to the Bullets then, right? Playing a few years with Juwan Howard. Yeah, I knew he played for the Bullets. I didn't know about that. Wow. Uh, Another one from the 80s that uh, it's an unfortunate thing health-wise was Ralph Sampson mm. and that combination with Akeem Olajuwon. Twin Towers. And, yeah. and Sampson ended up getting hurt. It was kind of a fluke fall that hurt his back, and then he kind of started to overcompensate of, from his back injury by putting more pressure on his knees, and then his knees gave out uh, and you know had a very short and, uh, career, even though he was really good in the time that he was healthy. Yeah. But uh, that Ralph Sampson, Akeem Olajuwon, was, and, and again, uh, and in Bill Simmons's book, he talked about how they were kind of the Lakers' kryptonite, having multiple big men that were so dominant because Kareem was a little bit too slow at that stage, older mm-hmm. in his career, couldn't keep up with either of them. And, you know, if uh, with Ralph Sampson, he took Hakeem away from, or Kareem away from the basket, mm-hmm. uh, so the Lakers lost their shot blocker. If uh, he guarded, you know, um, Hakeem, he, he struggled to defend him on the block. So it was kind of a lose-lose for the Lakers in that matchup. And fortunately for Magic and the Lakers, that that uh, was short-lived, and they were able to then make a couple of finals in the late 80s and uh, and again in the early 90s. But that duo was something else. And, you know, you talk about Twin Towers, what David Robinson and, Tim Duncan were able to do right. Like, uh, you know those those two uh, may have even had more potential. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, the that late '80s would have been a lot different. Because the versatility of those two guys. Oh, for sure. Uh, Hakeem's one of my favorites for sure. And um, what was it, 1986, that they beat the Lakers yeah, in five games? In five games. Yeah. And end up you know going against the, so we never really got that '86 Lakers versus an '86. Celtics matchup that would have been really cool. Yes. Yeah. The interesting thing from uh, one of the more recent things that Bill Simmons wouldn't have in his book because that came out in what, 2009, mm-hmm. uh, is the idea of the couple of things that happened to the Warriors in the 2016 run, the team that was 73 and 9 in the regular season. Right. Greatest regular season team of all time. And uh, in, the, in the first round against the Houston Rockets, Steph sprains his ankle in like game one, sits out a couple of games, comes back, looks fine, but then on a fluke play, Monte Yunus trips over James Harden, falls to the floor, slides, and then there's a wet spot then that Steph Curry guarding the ball slips on, sprains his MCL, and honestly has never been quite the same in terms of his quickness and, right. and, and uh, you know burst and that sort of thing uh but 
He ends up missing the rest of that Houston series in the first couple of games against Portland in round two. Comes back, looks pretty good, but again, I would say it was more about an 80 to 85% of what Steph Curry actually was that season. Right. Uh, and, you know, he has a really tough series against Oklahoma City. They they pull it out. But then in the finals, it seemed like especially uh, in, in games... Uh, Especially Game Seven, it seemed like he was just kind of worn out and yeah, and didn't quite have that explosion uh, that he that he had beforehand. Uh, what do you think about that in terms of if he stays healthy, whether or not he uh, you know makes the difference in that series? I think he definitely does, and that's that is the one factor I keep forgetting whenever I'm bringing up OKC. You know that they possibly could have won against Golden State and all of that stuff. Um, those were close series with a hurt Steph Curry. Steph was amazing that year. Yes. Uh, definitely deserved that MVP. And, yeah, I would say they win the, just like the 73-9, and nine, I say they win the title, no question. Yeah. And, you know, averaging 30 points a game during the regular season, 50-plus percent from the field, 45 from three, 90 from the free throw line. He was just sensational. Insane. And... His isolation ability, whenever teams would switch, he would just torch them. Oh, yeah. No matter who it was, really. Even guys like a Kevin Durant was not quick enough to keep up with Curry. Right. Uh, so um, that's that's the biggest thing you see from Steph now is he's not quite as good of an isolation player mm-hmm. as he was back in that season. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's still terrific. Uh, he can do just about everything else, his ball handling, his shooting. All that is just as good, if not slightly better, than it was before. But right. just that, that little bit of a burst that he lacks, that makes he had difference. that season, makes, yeah, as you said, makes a difference. Uh, the, the other thing with that 2016 Warriors team, again, um, a team that was so terrific, but uh, just uh, had a couple of things that, that went wrong in that playoffs, and another one would have been the Draymond Green suspension, yep. uh, where he, uh, he need. Uh, uh, Stephen Adams several times in that OK series, OKC series. <laughs> right. And, you know, people still question whether that was intentional or not. Uh, I lean towards intentional. I do too. Although he did it in a way that made it to the point where it's like I can't be a hundred percent sure. It was a very Dennis Rodman type of like Dennis Rodman would do that stuff on purpose, but act like he wasn't. I'm leaning the same way with Draymond Green. I think he was putting on an act. He's pretty good at it. But. And then, of course, the play in the finals in Game 4, mm-hmm. where the Warriors were in the lead, in command of the game. It was the closing seconds of the fourth quarter. They were about to go up 3-1. And LeBron kind of throws Green to the ground and steps over him, which is an insulting thing to do to any player. Mm-hmm. Green then swings his hands up and hits LeBron in a sensitive area. Uh, and uh, get suspended. And a part of the suspension, too, that I think a lot of people forget about is it's not simply just that act that caused the suspension. People do that stuff all the time and don't get suspended. Yeah. The NBA had a rule where it was a culmination of technicals and flagrants that if it got to a certain point, you then are automatically suspended a game. Yeah. So that's what happened is he was at a certain threshold that then... Um, got too much where he then was suspended. But the problem with the rule that I was really annoyed with at the time was that it was like, you know, oh, if you commit 15 technicals or if you commit a certain amount of flagrant foul points, you get suspended. But 
the numbers never changed regardless of how far you advanced in the playoffs. Mm. So a guy in the first round is never going to get suspended that many times, uh, yeah, at all. Oh, right, uh, you're right. Through Absolutely. a collection of flagrant foul points because you can only play seven games and. But if you make it all the way through to the finals yeah. and play 28 possible games, you know there has to be a point where, okay, if you get to round three or if you get to the fourth round, the points either go up more or they're reset. Right. That's what annoyed me so much is why is a guy getting punished more because his team's advancing further? Right. That just made no sense to me. Yeah, and I don't think that got brought up a whole lot, especially in Ohio because everyone's... So happy that the Cavs won, but I think with that what if, even with Steph Curry being hurt, if Draymond Green doesn't get suspended, I think I would put a lot of money on the Warriors winning it. Right. Like well and I you think know that tipped the scales for people them. talk about it's just one game, but momentum is such a huge factor in the NBA, especially over the course of a seven game series. Yeah. The Warriors had all the momentum. Yep. They took, they stole the game on the road, had a 3-1 lead. They're going home to close it out. And you don't have your, arguably, your second most important player for that game. Mm-hmm. Most important defensive player, for sure. Uh, and the Cavs are able to, with LeBron and Kyrie, they both went off for 40-plus each. Right. Which is an indication that the Warriors didn't have their best <laughs> defensive player. Right. Not to take anything away from those guys. They were incredible. Oh, for sure. But, uh, you know, then the the Cavs get it to 3-2. Then they're going back home. They're playing on their home floor. That just builds the momentum. You win then at home. Even though you're going on the road, you've won a couple in a row. You're feeling good. That momentum carries over to the next game, and it, uh, it influences how the results uh, end up. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the next interesting thing, and... Uh, it's going to seem like we're picking on LeBron on this podcast, but uh, yeah. uh, the um, the next one involves the San Antonio Spurs and Heat NBA Finals, yeah. and how, of course, that crazy Game Six where I think the Heat got pretty lucky in the fact that a couple of uh, three point shots near the end of the game bounced directly to Chris Bosh. He was able to get it, kick it out to shooters, and you know, right. Ray Allen hitting that shot, of course, is not luck at all. He practices that, and the fact that he was able to keep his heel up to avoid touching the baseline. Oh, yeah. All of that is incredible. But uh, one thing that, uh, again, gets overlooked a little bit is the fact that, and, you know, Greg Popovich is a tremendous coach, may go down as the greatest coach of all time. Mm-hmm. But he took Tim Duncan out of the game on those last couple of possessions, in large part, I think, because he was worried. Uh, about the idea that Miami was going to spread the floor with five shooters. Right. But Duncan is more than capable of guarding Chris Bosh at the three-point line and, and and handling his responsibilities. Duncan is a really high IQ player, or was, I should say, now that he's retired. Right. But uh, having him out there in those last couple of possessions, I think, would have made the difference in terms of Chris Bosh is not going to be rebounding the ball over some 6'6 guy. He's going to be dealing with Tim Duncan, one of the greatest rebounders in the history of the game. Yeah, I think Duncan gets that rebound or at least taps it away and as opposed to just how many chances in a row and throwing it right to uh, open uh, Ray Allen there. Yeah. yeah. And then LeBron doesn't win that title. Right. And, and Duncan um, does, which even puts Duncan higher on the list maybe of... 
Well, and, you know, even if that happens, it's it's interesting to say that, that the Spurs would win the title and the Heat wouldn't. Well, but then but the yeah, next year, yeah. you know, the, no, the Spurs would have clinched and oh, won right, the title right, at that right, right. game. But the next year I'm talking about, you know, the Spurs came back really motivated, wanting revenge, and their mm-hmm. whole season was about the anger and frustration of losing that, and it was all about we need to get back here and beat them. Mm-hmm. You know, if they win the title, maybe that motivation, that desire isn't as strong. Maybe they're not as hungry of a team, and maybe they don't get back. Mm. And maybe then the Heat, in the, who made the finals the following year, win in 2014. So maybe it doesn't actually <laughs> change in terms of how many championships each team won. Maybe it just changes the the who won it each year. But, mm. you know, because you, you can never figure out... Because there's so many different variables and factors into what leads teams to get to where they get to. Yeah, that's a really good point. The um, the other thing with uh, with Tim Duncan that's interesting is the whole idea of, in 2000, after the Spurs won the title in 99 in that shortened lockout season, uh, the Spurs were a terrific team. I think they won in the high 50s in terms of games still had that great twin tower combo of Tim Duncan and David Robinson. Robinson still pretty much pretty close to his prime at yeah. that point. Uh, defending champs, having the confidence of that, but Duncan gets hurt near the end of the regular season, and they had an opportunity to bring him back for the playoffs, but the Spurs chose not to, mm. mainly because they were cautious and they were focused on the long-term uh, health of their star player, which was, you know, I think that ended up being the right decision. Sure, yeah. But thinking about it in terms of that Lakers team that won in 2000, the idea if the Spurs said, you know what, we're just going to risk it, Duncan, you play in these playoffs, and that Lakers team was pretty vulnerable in the 2000 playoffs before they had won. Right. They went to five games the Sacramento Kings in the opening round, went to seven games in the conference finals against the Portland Trailblazers. We're down like 18 in the fourth and came back. Oh, right, yeah. And then also in the NBA finals, we're taken to six games against the Indiana Pacers. That was a pretty tough series as well. Wow. So that was that was a pretty vulnerable team. And a team with Tim Duncan and David Robinson, the defending champs, uh, probably would have given them their toughest test even out of all the teams they ended up playing. Wow, so that means that Lakers team, if they don't win that year... Uh, they don't have that confidence going forward, you know, because, yeah, 2001 and uh, that next season, they're like, now we're going to win against anyone. Right. Um, they had that championship swagger. Exactly. Man, that could have changed a lot. Uh, that could have meant, you know, Shaq leaving earlier on or Kobe even going for a trade and then just trying to rebuild that team. You may not have even seen that type of Lakers. Well, and you combine that with the what-if of the 2002 Western Conference Finals, we could be talking about a Shaq and Kobe duo that won one championship maybe in 2001. Right. And that was it. Right. Oh, my gosh. That would... Wow. That changes a lot of the conversation, especially for the people who think Kobe is, you know, top one or two players of all time, Mm -hmm. you know? So here's one I've got for you that I think uh, that you'll have uh, a few things to say about. Uh, what if Michael Jordan didn't retire after the 1992-93 season when the Bulls uh, won the third of their first three-peat over the Phoenix Suns and then uh, obviously played a couple of years uh, of baseball 
or a year and a half basketball season wise right uh, prior to coming back what do you think uh do you think it's pretty much guaranteed the bulls just win the following year do you think it's it's more complicated that in terms of maybe the winning three in a row kind of just made him bored and there wouldn't have been that desire uh, and also the the question mark about the matchup with the bulls and rockets if do, if the Bulls make the finals, does the Hakeem Rockets provide a challenge that none of the other finalists uh, that the Bulls faced, uh, maybe they provide something that is too much to overcome? Yeah, both of those things you brought up are, are really interesting points. Um, yeah, I, I do think the Bulls would get to the finals those next two years. It's interesting, Jordan... Because the Knicks were still really good in that time period. They made the finals in the, that in the 94 season. Exactly, and during that run of you know the early 90s, the Bulls and the Knicks had been going head-to-head. And had some tough battles, too. They, I think they won uh, one series in seven games in 93, if I believe, if that's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, it, was, it was always really, really close. Um, and, yeah, I think at the very end it was even close. Once Jordan was gone... It was still a close series yes. with a Scottie Pippen-led Bulls where they almost pulled it out, but the Knicks ended up winning. Um, and I think from the Bulls' perspective, they I think there may have even been some questionable calls late in the game. However, right. I'm sure Knicks have said in the past with like the Charles Smith, you know, stop Smith, stop Smith. The, you know, could have been some calls during those series too. Um, but I think the Bulls, if Jordan stays... Jordan said that he was lacking motivation during that time, you know, uh, anyway. And I guess in this scenario, his dad still is unfortunately, you know, uh, murdered on the side of the road and everything. Um, But say Jordan stays, uh, he says he was lacking motivation in the 93 finals. And he, I think, got second all time in terms of NBA finals points per game uh, ever. (laughs) Uh, yeah, that's pretty good for lacking motivation. So I think the Bulls would still be motivated. They would still uh, beat that Knicks team. But you bring up a really good point with the Rockets. Um, and Kenny Smith brings this up every time he gets a chance to on TNT. The Rockets beat the Bulls more often than not in, in the regular, in the season, regular matchups. season matchups. They had no one that could stop Akeem down low. Although I would say like in uh, with... It being Eastern versus Western, it was probably only twice a year that they ended up playing. Exactly. So, it's really tough. Uh, Rockets had no one that could stop Jordan. Bulls had no one that could stop Akeem. Mm -hmm. So, in a seven-game series, maybe it would have been a little different. But I think Rockets fans might have a, a pretty good argument on their hands saying that, well, you know, that's their one weakness. There, There's no way that they could have stopped that. But if the Bulls were able to pull it out that first year, the next year, you know, the Rockets get uh, Clyde Drexler. Right. Right? And that might have been enough to tip the scales. And the the idea that, you know, maybe if winning three in a row doesn't lower your motivation, maybe winning four does. You know, there's always a point where it's like, oh, we just keep winning and winning at some point. Maybe. The the desire to like work as hard as possible to to get to the top. I know Jordan was a free competitor, but I'm mainly talking team. about the rest of the guys. <laughs> right. Um, you know, that takes an emotional and physical toll going to the finals over and over again. Right. And yeah, perhaps eventually it would become to the point where uh you know, the people that just say, Oh, they would make eight straight finals 
I question that a little bit. I, yeah. I don't necessarily believe. I don't know what you think about that. It's it's a lot more complicated than just oh yeah they're the best team so they're going to win. It's it blows my mind that uh, that uh, Bill Russell and his Celtics were able to keep that up. Like that's I think one of the biggest accomplishments. Eight straight. But even, how the hell did you keep that motivation going? But even that was at a time when the league was what fourteen teams, right? So it wasn't as many series. And you know, to even compare it to what LeBron has done going for his eighth straight this year, the Eastern Conference has been pretty lousy the last couple of years, whereas the East throughout Michael Jordan's tenure, as we've discussed in that MJ right. versus LeBron debate, uh, you know, it was a little bit uh, stronger. Yeah, you're looking at you know an elite uh, New York Knicks team with you know one of the best centers of all time with Patrick Ewing, and then that next year uh, with ninety, uh, I guess what, the 95, which Jordan was actually back for that playoffs, going against this really good Orlando team that ends up going to the finals, right? Oh, and, you know, to factor in, too, the 95 Bulls, uh, you know, even if Jordan stays the entire time, they wouldn't still have Horace Grant. Right. Or, or maybe Grant stays if Jordan stays. I mean, maybe. You, you never know, but if if you just have a Jordan that's been there the whole time but without a real good power forward, Right, you know they weren't able to beat the Magic. Maybe they would if Jordan had stayed the whole time. Maybe, but, but is is the Bulls team without a good power forward enough to beat that Rockets right. unit? Exactly. Yeah. Even if they get past the Magic, I'm not sure that they get past. Uh, and again, with Clyde Drexler on that team, that kind of evens the score a little bit with Jordan and or at that two spot. Uh, man, I I don't know if I can say definitively what I would, who I think would win, but. I think uh, maybe the Bulls end up with seven championships instead of the eight. and You know what I mean? Okay. Instead of the six. Yeah. Um, but you it, think they win one of those two years and yeah. still have the same success everywhere else. Yeah. I would be surprised if... Because that, that Rockets team was good. Hakeem was amazing. I feel like they would have been able to pull it out maybe one. What do you think, though? Yeah. I mean, if if I were to say they would win seven, it would... Yes, uh, I would agree with how you were outlining it they would win in 94 yeah not 95 right and then you add rodman and then get that another three peat there yeah right um but yeah it's very interesting to think about and yeah it would have been it would have been fun to watch those houston bulls series for sure for sure yeah uh another one that i think uh talking about you know the greatest players of all time and how that could potentially change their legacy kareem is a real interesting one in terms of, you know, he won, what was it, six titles, five mm-hmm. in, with the Lakers, one with Milwaukee. Yep. So he's right there with Jordan as far as that's concerned. Greatest scorer of all time in terms of total points. Yep. Uh, you know, he's a great shot blocker, great rebounder, especially in his prime. Uh, there was a series in 1974, the NBA Finals, where Milwaukee lost in seven games to the Boston Celtics, oh, yeah. uh, where... Uh, there was a specific referee, Kareem outlines this in his book, <laughs> that all four of the games that this referee officiated, the Celtics won. And Kareem talked about how in those games, Dave Cowens, the Celtics center, yeah. was allowed to just jump all over and jump on the back of Kareem to bully him for rebounds or whatever. Yeah. And the ref wouldn't call anything. And... You know, considering the era that we're talking about, and 
and heck, we right. you know we haven't progressed much now. Like <laughs> right. it could be a racism thing as well there. Very true. Yeah, you know, and nineteen seventy four. Yeah. Yes, and you've got a white center and a black center, uh, and uh, say. Uh, you know, Kareem wins that series, say that ref only refs three of the seven games <laughs> instead of four of the seven. Right. And Kareem wins two titles in Milwaukee. Yep. Five with the Lakers, all-time leading scorer. Does he all of a sudden jump into that discussion? I know we've both talked about he's definitely top five for both of us. Right. But does he jump in that discussion to be the greatest player ever? I think he does. I mean... That that's that's a tough one, that's a tough one, because just watching Jordan, like I I kind of feel like I have to put him at number one. But seven titles, and I don't I think a lot of people thinking of Kareem, they just see the old Kareem when he was with the Lakers, the young Kareem when when he was with the Bucks and playing with Oscar Robinson, he was scary. Yeah, even as a rookie, like this dude's putting up crazy numbers. Yeah. In, in, you can't guard him one-on-one. It's impossible. Right. Um, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, when you when you factor in his resume, he's already right up there. Right. But a- adding that seventh championship, again, I think just like with people's fascination with numbers, get putting him above Jordan in championships is a big deal in that sort of discussion. It is. Um, now, do I believe that Kareem was necessarily as great of a player as Jordan in the prime? Like, no. But Kareem also has the edge and longevity over a Jordan. He does. So when you talk about him having the longevity and perhaps the resume edge, does that overcome perhaps the idea that Jordan was a little bit better in it? Well, maybe even significantly better in his prime. Yeah. I mean, well, they're both, they're, they're both really good. I don't know. I think... Uh, where where did you have him? Did you have him at four? I top? I had him at three. Yeah. Oh, so you did have him over uh, Duncan. Duncan. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I put him over Jordan, Kareem, but it's so close, and it's already that close. Yeah. Uh, with me, but comparing or Le- what about would LeBron, you put him over LeBron? Right. I think that's where the question lies for me. And oh my gosh, seven titles won because. And the winning multiple and with multiple teams, you know, too. Right, exactly. How okay? Well, let's see that. How many finals has Kareem been in? Right, because we we always look at, and I can't think off the top of my head. So he was in seventy one when they won, seventy four right. when they lost with Milwaukee, then eighty with the Lakers when they won. Yeah. Uh, eighty two with the Lakers when they won. Okay. Eighty three when they lost. Eighty four when they lost. 85 when they won, 87 they won, 88, and 89. He made so 10 finals, 10 finals. won sixth of them, but based on this, probably should have won seven. Right. So, of the 10. So, seven of the 10, six out of 10 is still great, but seven out of 10, wow. And we, we look at LeBron and we're talking about, like, I mean, eight straight is one thing. Like, the fact that he's been there every single year, that's huge. He's made eight total to or this eight point. Total. Yeah, yeah. And seven straight. And seven straight, sorry. And Yeah, and this year would make it eight if he gets there. Yeah. Uh, I think if he go, if Kareem goes seven out of ten for that 
that whole career, I think mm, that might put him over the edge with LeBron's, you know, three out of however many he's made, right? Mm-hmm. Um, was it three of eight? Yes. Yeah, I would say seven of ten beats three of eight, even though it's a shorter span for LeBron. Um, but that's so close. I mean, I, I wouldn't blame anyone for saying LeBron still has the edge there. Yeah. You know? Um, who would you take in their prime, LeBron or Kareem? I would still take LeBron. I yeah. think having the player that can have the ball in their hands at all times bring it up sure. just has more value than a guy you have to get the ball to. Sure. Um, Especially in this era, too, when it's more three-point oriented. And the defensive versatility of LeBron mm. is going to outweigh the Kareem. Kareem, especially as he got older. And, you know, um, perhaps even when he was younger may have been a little bit of a liability out defending on the perimeter. Maybe. So, hmm. probably not as much when he was young, but definitely but, in his later yeah, Lakers years. Yeah, he's not going to guard point guards every single time, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so that I would still take LeBron, but, I mean, it's close. Yeah, that's a... I love that what if, wow. And it's crazy that it's that obvious, too. That ref um, being in those games means the other team wins. Like, that's, right. that's a little conspicuous. To, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Another interesting thing about like a, a consensus top ten guy is Larry Bird, mm. and the fact that he actually hurt himself pretty badly uh, playing softball. Yeah, there was a play where he was in the outfield. This was prior to his NBA career, even. Supposedly, I think this was after his college career, but before his NBA career really started, where he went to get a ground or you know a line drive was hit to the outfield. He went to go pick it up and somehow the ball got caught under his fingers and it screwed up his knuckle a couple knuckles if i mm. if i remember correctly yeah. on his shooting hand yeah and he had to shoot the ball differently than he had before and people that claim to have been around bird prior to this injury uh, and this is shocking to believe but say that he was an even better shooter before the injury than he was after and to, to think about even Larry Bird, yeah. if he's a five percent better at shooting in his NBA career, right? Uh, you know, is is just outrageous. Yeah, he's one of the best shooters ever. Like to think that there's a better version of that. Uh, that is wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there was the other the other instance where I don't necessarily know if they would have been the favorites regardless in 85, but he got in a bar fight apparently right before the 85 finals, punched a guy and hurt his hand pretty significantly. Oh wow. And then shot terribly in that whole series. Yeah. Uh Bill Simmons being a homer, you know, <laughs> talked about that as why they lost, but Yeah. Um you know, given that in 84 it was kind of Magic Johnson choking a couple of games that helped Boston win, right. I think the Lakers, with the motivation coming back, probably would have been the favorites regardless, but right. you never know. Is that the series where Larry had a chance to like hit a game winner at the end of that, that game? That was 87. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like from the corner? Yeah. Right. Yep, that was the 87 series. But, uh, but yes, 85, I think the Lakers won in six. Gotcha. And... It was still a semi-competitive series, but I think the Lakers uh, ended up winning it. And uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting to think about different injuries Larry Bird suffered, even like 
off the basketball floor. You know, those yeah. are another, again, those injuries that are kind of fluky that you're like, well, this didn't have to happen. Like, I'm imagining now, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Durant gets in a bar fight with someone and, <laughs> you know, hurts his hand. Like, that would never happen nowadays. LeBron James gets in a bar fight and punches a guy and hurts his hand. Or is playing softball randomly. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, and with so yeah, social media would just make that such a bigger story than it would back in the day. Right. Back in the '80s, no one would probably know what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the another interesting sort of draft what if uh, is the whole idea of the Minnesota Timberwolves passing on Steph Curry yeah. twice. So they had, I believe, the fifth and sixth picks in the draft, and mm-hmm. Curry ended up going, I believe, seventh. Uh, to the Warriors, but they drafted both Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn's no longer in the league, yeah. mind you. Ricky Rubio's never made an all-star team. You draft... N- the the crazy part is not only having two picks ahead <laughs> of where Steph Curry is drafted, but that you draft his position with both of the picks Yeah, is what makes it just absolutely insane. Yeah, hindsight... Uh, it's 2020 there. I would, yeah, it's crazy to, to pick anyone else from that. But I mean, what do you think, you know, Steph Curry's coming out of Davidson, smaller school. I mean, definitely impressive during that March Madness run. Um, but I think a lot of the, those teams were thinking, well, smaller school, maybe inflated his numbers a little bit. Maybe Mm -hmm. he's not that good. He's not that big. Maybe he's not that strong. Um, good shooter, but, you know... Well, it was the positioning question, I think, was a big one, was yeah. whether he was a point guard or a oh. shooting guard. Okay. And, you know, he didn't... He hadn't developed his ball handling skills to the nearly the point that he has now. Right. So teams didn't... A lot of teams didn't see him as a point guard. But even to me, even if he's not a terrific ball handler, uh, you know, he could still be a point guard that could spot up, run off screens, hit shots, play off the ball some, bring the ball up the floor at least. Right. Uh, And, um, you know, obviously the the improved ball handling allowed him to take threes off the dribble and play in the pick and roll and drive to the basket, all those things. Uh, But just a guy that took a Davidson team to the Elite Eight in the March Madness and uh, a guy that was... A former NBA or a son of a former NBA player in Dell Curry, mm-hmm. guy that was the best shooter in the draft, uh, and it's not as if the guys like Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn didn't have any question marks about them either. Mm, yeah, you know, it's one thing if they were flawless prospects, right. but they weren't. Right. Yeah, they definitely should have taken it, <laughs> uh, and that would have been interesting too. I don't know if, uh, how how that would have played out. We wouldn't have had maybe the super team like the Warriors now. Because they got you know Thompson and Green and all these other great players, but uh, to have Curry and Kevin Love, how that would have worked maybe with some pick and rolls and because Love was doing putting up some pretty good numbers in Minnesota yes. before he moved over to the Cavs. Again, similar to the whole uh, Steve Nash Dirk Nowitzki. I don't know how viable it would be as like a championship core, especially defensively. But yeah. Steph Curry and Kevin Love would be a heck of a joy to watch, yeah. and offensively they would be, you know, unstoppable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I think there's we got one more left, and then we'll we'll call it a day. Sure. But I think you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Doctor J and Pistol Pete and how close they were to potentially <laughs> being teammates. So 
Pistol Pete Maravich is one of my favorite players mm-hmm. by far. I just love him. Uh, and, you know, definitely, regardless of how you rank, how high you rank him as a player, one of the most exciting players to watch, most entertaining players to watch. Yeah. Uh, you know, was doing behind the back passes in a time where other people were doing just your general crossovers and stuff. Right. Um, well, during the 70s, Pete's playing for the Atlanta Hawks, which wasn't a very good team, so they got a really high draft pick, and they ended up picking Dr. J, and I think it was uh, 1972, but it was sometime early 70s. Um, Dr. J ends up instead electing to go to the ABA, which was competing at that time, and he goes to the uh, New Jersey Nets and ends up, I think, winning at least one, maybe a couple championships for the ABA, and we all know how great Dr. J was. Uh, But Atlanta Hawks could have had the rights to Dr. J and Pistol Pete, and in the one book that I read, Pistol Pete's uh, biography, they did play a few exhibition games, and apparently the highlights were incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that any footage exists of these games, (laughs) But in, in terms of just the alley-oop passes and just in, incredible dunks from Dr. J, like, it would have been fun to watch. Much like the Tracy McGrady and Vince Carter thing would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. I think this would have been a, a pretty cool punch. Probably wouldn't have won any titles anytime soon unless yeah. they got some more help in there from the post. Because uh, Pistol Pete was not a great defender by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely would have been fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, the... Um... Yeah, as you said, the highlights would just, there'd be, you know, they could do a sports center top ten of just just the two of them every game, probably. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that would have been really fascinating. Well, that uh, that's all we've got for this episode of NBA What Ifs. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you haven't yet subscribed to Duncan Dynasty, please do. We are on iTunes. Uh, if you give us a subscribe and uh, if you... <laughs> if you could give us a subscription and uh, rate our uh, podcast, that uh, would be much appreciated. Uh, we'll be um, here in the next couple of weeks uh, giving you some uh, playoff preview coverage. Uh, the playoffs are right around the corner. We're very excited for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so stay tuned, and thank you so much. This has been Duncan Dynasty. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Woodwork prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.